appreciate everyone coming out and uh, adjusting to the new schedule. I know many, like myself, are early to bed, early to rise, but that's not the reason why. But uh, we do have other things going, uh, and you'll know more as we move along. Uh, let's look here, um, if you will, take your Bibles, and let's go to two places tonight, two places tonight. We're going to go over to Ephesians, uh, the second chapter, Ephesians 2. And then we're going to go over to uh, Joshua. We're going to start in Joshua 1. Ephesians 2 and Joshua 1. Amen. As you're turning there, I want to, um, I'm going to give you a couple of quick announcements. Uh, obviously, the schedule change uh, starting tonight. Now, right after service, and encourage those who are available to stick around, uh, Patricia and Tony are going to be leading intercessory prayer. And that's going to be from 7 on. And so I am I'm so excited. I, I'm going to be over at the youth next door. But I do believe, church, that God is transitioning the body of Christ into the new day. I, I really do. And I believe that prayer is such a strategic part of what God is doing and what he's going to continue to do. And so let me encourage you. Stick around. Now, come October the 18th, we're going to be offering the Living Free uh, Trevor and Elizabeth, uh, Tommy and Cherry, uh, Tim and Devon, they're going to be uh, the, the group that is going uh, to help with that. Uh, but Living Free, what is it? It is uh, a road to hope, faith, and freedom, and, and wholeness in Christ. Uh, destructive behaviors, uh, harmful emotions, negative attitudes, unhealthy relationships, uh, sustained abuse, those kinds of things need to be addressed. They need to be talked about. They need to be unpacked and then pointed back to Christ. And so if you've got any of those areas, or if you want to be a part of that, or if it interests you, please, we're going to start that on October the 18th. And then Bibles and Burgers is going to be uh, Saturday, this Saturday from 11 to 2. And uh, the directions are going to be out at Lake Tawakany, West Tawakany. And you can find the directions on the announcement. Let's look here in... Uh, as we begin, let's go to the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and continue to do. And Lord, I just pray tonight, Lord, for the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord to break every yoke and God just bring a liberty and a freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here, um, I was searching for a title for what the Lord was laying upon my heart, and I had a little bit of a struggle, but we just came through uh, Pace for the Race talking about conditioning, talking about hope and rest. And now we're starting a new journey, and that's going to start, and we're going to spend some time there in Joshua 1. But in our time in Joshua 1, I, it, it's, I titled this series and this message tonight, The Amazing Race. Because how many know that we are on an amazing race? If you've not discovered a life in Christ, then I want to encourage you to, to understand. I know there's life to be lived, but how many know that there's an abundant life to be lived? Amen? And I believe the Lord wants to bring his body in this darkened day, in this darkened hour, for us to live in the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we see that Israel here is getting ready to embark, and they're going to step into the unknown. They're going to walk into a land that, they've never, that only two people have ever been in. And they're going, to, they're going to step into this place as they continue their race. They've been delivered from bondage out of Egypt. And God proved that he was the Lord of all. Amen? 
It wasn't just a delivery of the children of Israel out of bondage, but there was a, a refuting, a destroying, a tearing down of strongholds and enemies that no demonic force, no Nephilim, none were compared to the God that we serve. And then we find that they made their way through the wilderness journey. And they discovered that God can provide when there's nothing around. He can take care of his children. And so he proved that. Now he has brought them to the place, and they're about to step in to the place of promise, the place of destiny. I want us to look here in Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen. But I'm going to start in verse 2. As they are preparing to step in, God brought them out to bring them in. Has God ever brought you out of anything? It's to bring you in to something. There's maybe a position between, there may be a journey or step between, but, but I do believe that it is the hour and the day that God has called the church to step in, to step in to the place that he has purpose and design and he desires. Now, I want, you to, I want to start there with verse 2, and I just want to spend some time there. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses is off the scene. His ministry, his leadership, he's, it's stopped right here. You can't, Moses cannot and will not take you into the place of promise. He, he's not going to, he's not going to be, he's not going to resurrect. He's not going to, he's not going to bring the children of Israel across the Jordan into the place of promise. It's not going to happen. Now, we're going to get a little deeper into what that means to us and, and how it applies to our life. But before we do that, we've got to go to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. For the, by the grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift from God. Not of works, least any man should boast. Now, as we look at that, what we see is that Moses represents more than a man. We understand that the law came to Moses. So Moses, in Scripture, and typology, and symbols, he represents the law. Remember we spoke about, about how that the veil is covered over their faces each time that the Moses, as Paul refers to him, as Moses is read. He's making reference to the fact that Moses represents the law. 
And see, what we need to understand in the spiritual aspect of that is that the law can only lead us to the place of promise. It cannot lead us into the promises. Amen? So what does it mean? What do I mean by that? Well, let's first off talk about Moses, the man, and the reason why he couldn't go in. He couldn't go in because the Lord instructed him in Numbers 20, and it was a sad thing because he was so close. It was the last year of the wilderness wandering. Miriam, his sister, just died. The people are rising up, and they're, they're, they're just complaining. It's like 39-plus years of complaints. He was at his breaking point, and they were thirsty. And the Lord said, I want you to go, and I, we've, we've already struck the rock once. But I need you now go and speak to the rock, that water may come forth. But instead of speaking to the rock, he, in his anger, he lashed out at the people, and he struck the rock twice. Now, water did come forth because God was a merciful God, but he turned to Moses and said, Moses, you can't go in. Moses like, can I see it? He said, yeah, you can see it, but you can't go in. The law will look over into the promises of God, but it cannot bring you into the promises of God. It, it, can, it can lead you up to, the, up to the border, but it can't cause you to come in. It can only peer in. Now, when we speak about the law, I want you to think about how that Moses went up to the Mount Sinai and the Lord wrote the laws on tablets of stone, and he handed those stone tablets to Moses. And Moses carried those stones. He carried them back to the camp. Of course, when he got there, the camp was just like going crazy. <laughs> so he, he throws them down and crushes them, and he's got to go back up to the mountain. And so he gets a whole new set, and he brings those down. So he's got, the, the Bible says that it, the, the Lord wrote uh, the laws, the, the commandments on the front and on the back. And it's the outline of the entirety of the Torah, the, the commandments. But there we see that he carried the, the, law, the law. He carried the commandments with him. But when Jesus Christ comes, something miraculous takes place. The Spirit, the Bible says, is the Spirit of God writes the laws on our heart. <laughs> See, Moses teaches us how the nature of God is and who God is is in holiness. And in so discovering, we are incapable of keeping uh, the law as pertained to righteousness. Because if we commit one sin in the law, we are guilty of it all. So when Paul talks about the law has been fulfilled, it's not that the law is bad. In fact, the law actually entered into the promised land. Moses was not the one carrying it. We're going somewhere. And when we get there, you're going to be appreciative of getting there. So let's first off declare what we talk about when we talk about living by the law and the law not bringing us in there. That, that is literally just the, the idea that our works and our externals our external behavior will produce the righteousness necessary so that we can live eternally with God. 
Amen? Living by works. Living by trying to merit our salvation through our own sourcing in order to accomplish the purpose of God. But the Bible tells us, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. We're not trying to get back to Moses. We're trying to get back to Abraham. We're trying to get back to the faith walk that we have in, in, in Abraham. So as we look at that, what we begin to see is that the law did go in. The law went in as it was placed in that holy piece of furnishing called the ark. Moses is dead, but here's the law. The law is in the ark. The ark is a type of Christ. We know that because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, was God, saying the beginning with God. He is the the, the, the word that we have here is the written, the Bible is the written expression of the word of God. Jesus is the living expression of God. He is the word of God. The living expression, he is the one that has come to exegete, to show us who the Father is through living, manifest expression of the God being God himself. Amen? So what we have here is the law could not do what only Christ could do. Amen? And so we have in Romans 8 and 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of Christ, in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free, made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, no flesh could fulfill it. it, weak in me. Not that it was bad, it was just weak in us. For what the law could not do, it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On the account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled we don't do away with them. They're just fulfilled in us who walk accord, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen? So, without holiness, no man shall see God. But man's holiness will never be good enough to see God. It's kind of oxymoronic, isn't it? So we get to the place, and it's like, okay... <laughs> God's, there's an abundant life that I want to live. There's an enemy that kills, steals, and destroys, but I want to live this abundant life. How do we live this abundant life? I know I will go out and I'll just be better. I'll just do more. I'll just accomplish more. God's not interested and we can't make it by behavioral modification. The only way we can make it is by soul transformation. And so in the fulfillment of the law, see, Moses had the commandments and he carried them externally. He carried them out here. And he only, he carried them and he placed them in the ark. The law was placed in the ark and the fulfillment of the law comes through Christ and Christ alone. Amen? 
And now God takes his word, instead of writing upon tablets of stone, as the Bible tells us, he writes upon the, ta- he writes upon the heart of man. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, not with ink, by the, but by the spirit of the living God, not of tablets of stone, but on tablets of the flesh, that is the heart. He said, this is the covenant I'm going to make with my people after those days. I'm going to write my laws into their heart. Amen. So now we don't live trying to fulfill the law. We live in Christ who has fulfilled the law. And now he takes the law and he doesn't do it from without. He puts it on our heart. So now that we live, we live eternally and internally for God. Amen? This is good news. So how do we accomplish this? It's by the faith in knowing that God has completed the task. And that now we are born again into a new nature, and now we live according to the grace of God. Amen? See, there's two options in life and ministry, in your life and your existence. It could be a self-reliant or a spirit-reliant. You can depend upon yourself as the source of your salvation, whether or not you did enough on the good side to outweigh your bad side. I want to encourage you to get rid of the scales altogether. Throw them away and just go straight to Christ. Because he's the only one that makes you good enough. He's the only one that can bring righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness being right standing and then right with God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now I can know if I'm living in works or I'm living by the Spirit. How can we know that? There's indicators in the Word of God. We see there in the passage that we read, not of works, least any man should boast. If you can boast about your salvation because of the things that you have done, you're boasting in your works. Did we not cast out many devils in your name? Boast. Did we not feed the sick in your name or or heal the sick in your name? Did we not uh, feed those who are hungry in your name? Lord, let us into your kingdom because we've done all of these things. Lord said, depart from me because I never knew you. And folks, if we're going to run this amazing race, we got to do it by grace. Amen? It is by grace and grace alone. And grace comes to us as we put our faith in him. Amen. Now understand, I am not, you should know me well enough to know this. I am not a liberal preacher in the sense of anything goes and sin's okay. That's not what I'm telling you. The Bible tells us to awake to righteousness and sin no more. Amen? Once you awaken to righteousness, you're not going to sin anymore because you understand who you are, whose you are, and what you are meant to do. Amen? So as you look to the Word of God, now, this amazing race that God has brought us on, the children of Israel are there. And they're going to step over into the land of promise. And there's giants that are there. You need to know who you are when you face the giants. And you, know, you can't know you until you know him. Because once you know him, then you discover who you're supposed to be. Amen? Why do we read the Bible? It's because it's a merit to our salvation. 
No. <laughs> we read the Bible so we can discover who he is. We go to church so we can discover who he is. We worship because we know that he inhabits the praises of his people. And we know that we can encounter his presence as we enter into worship. And when we enter into worship and we understand who he is, all of a sudden we begin to understand who we should be. Amen? That we are not who we, we were. We're new creatures in Christ and we walk differently because there's something different on the inside. We're not abandoned orphan children anymore. We are a part of the body of Christ. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And our heart cries out, Abba, Father. Amen. See, as long, you can carry the laws around all day long. It's not going to change you. Just going to frustrate you. And so many times it's going to lead you to more and gross sin because you're trying to do everything yourself. God's saying, stop boasting in that. Well, I, I'm doing better than so-and-so. <laughs> I did better than yesterday. I'm not doing this anymore. And yes, there needs to be a progression. But it's when you put your confidence there in that thing that you're trying to, you're saying, okay, this is all right, but... but you know, I'm, 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 I may be bad. I may not be as good as that one, but I'm better than them. What are you doing? You're boasting. You're boasting. You're living in that place of, 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 they're scam likely. I should let them listen so they could get saved. So, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's take a few, let's take a little bit of a detour. Is that all right? I want you to look over in, in 1 John, 1 John. So I want to get you to the place where we understand that, see, Moses, Joshua, Yeshua, name for Jesus. <laughs> you think it was a coincidence that it was Moses and then Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus? I, I think it's more than, <laughs> you know why I like reading the book? It's because it's written by a supernatural God. And it has a supernatural, it is a supernatural book. And so it's phenomenal how, how the Lord weaves all of these things together. So if we're going to make the journey, you're going to make the journey. The Lord's already forewarned us there are inhabitants in the land. Anybody recognize the inhabitants in our land today? I don't think I need to point them out. There's inhabitants in our lands today. And there are inhabitants in your places of promise. There's some historical data that may be keeping you from moving in the direction you need to move. There may be some wrong ideology. There may be some wrong theology. See, those kinds of things can prevent us from stepping into that place that God has in store for us. But I want you to look, as we're, we're looking now, is that we, we receive God's salvation begins with faith. We have faith in God. That's our response to Him. His response to us is grace. Grace is not the license to do what we, what we want. License is the ability to do hard things. License, or, or, or grace is the license or the ability to do hard things. Grace is the ability to do what God wants you to do. And grace even gives you the desire many times to do what God wants you to do. Amen? So the Lord has written 
his laws on our heart. He's fulfilled the law. Moses is dead. I take the law and I place that in the ark. The priest carried the ark and the Jordan opened. We see that in scripture. They entered into the place of promise. The avenue that opened that up was Christ. Amen? So as you look in 1 John, I want to talk about the life in you for a minute. In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? That's Jesus. In the beginning, okay? Think about it. 1 John, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. John 1, I keep saying 1 John, it's John 1. In the beginning was the Word, okay? Stop right there. So there's nothing written down on parchment yet, (laughs) okay? So the Bible is the written expression of the Word. But the living expression of God, the Word, Jesus, is here before anything ever began. He's there. Amen? So get this in your spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. This is what I want you to look at. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend that. John purposely began at the beginning. He is here bringing us to the very beginning and saying, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm writing this under inspiration of the Spirit, and I'm telling you that Jesus started out before we, had, we ever even thought or were a thought. He started the start. Amen? And so in that, what he says, he says that he, in him, in him was life, zoe. Zoe means all life. All life was in Jesus. All life was in Jesus. Oh, we could just trail right there and understand all life was in the living expression of God, the Word, and it's also all life we can discover through the written expression of God. Amen? But all life was in him. There was nothing in existence until he spoke. And when he spoke, now life began to create as the Lord commanded. The heavens and the earth and the atmosphere and all of the creatures that are on the earth. Amen? So what we have is all life. And it's always only comes from, it always and can only come from, and is sustained by God's self-existent life. In other words, it's life that has no other outside source. You can't create it. You can't kill it. Self-existent. It doesn't need a source from any other source. It is self-existent. So if you look at that, the self-existent life doesn't need anyone to exist. It existed before anyone. And no one can stop it from existing. 
It is not dependent upon any other outside source. It is eternal. It is self-existing. Now understand, we cannot, we can manifest life, but we cannot create or produce the life, the zoe that we're talking about here. No one can stop it. See, but the word light is false. It means the manifestation of God's self-existent life. See, I can't produce the life of God through my works. But I can manifest the life of God through sonship. And I was in prayer today, and the Lord just started to download. It was just one of those moments where I was just listening to God, and he was just, he was just I was just writing it as fast as I could, I could put it down. But the, what the Lord was showing me in this, in this passage right here, self-existence, that nothing on earth could produce God. Nothing on earth could produce life outside of God. Amen? So, but what we can do is we can manifest that life, that self-existent life. And the Lord began to show me is that God was before anything on earth existed. So, if the Lord Jesus, if God is healing, then healing existed before. Amen? If, and if we want to fast forward just so it doesn't mess us up, when Christ came, even when he spoke to Mary and Martha, even before his resurrection, he was already there. In the start, it was there. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the hope. I am the way. Not past tense. Not pre. It just, I've, I've always existed. I've just stepped into this realm called time. And I'm walking around with these time creatures. But I'm saying to them, there is no space and time in heaven. And that's where I came from. And that's where I am going. And I am self-existent in, in God. So everything that was in God is now in me. And now I step up on this earth. And now everything that I am, I'm putting in you. Mm. Self-existing. And so what the Lord told me in prayer, he said, call out on what's already existing. <laughs> From the foundation of time. <laughs> See, if, we, if we, can't, we can't fathom that part of it, we can at least fathom what Christ did on earth. And when he rose from the grave, what did he do? He went to heaven. Did he keep working after he got to heaven? No. He sat down in heaven. He was at rest because the work was finished. But the same is true as the Lord tells us in Ephesians. We are seated with him. So what we do in prayer, folks, is we reach up and we begin to draw from what is already there, what is already 
finish. The Bible says that you were healed in Jesus Christ. Not that you're going to be healed, not that you can't be healed, but that you are already healed in Christ. How do you receive that? It's not by carrying around external works. It is by understanding that the laws of God are written on the inside of me. And now the eternal is living inside of here. And now what I begin to understand is that, whoa, wait a minute. I'm trying to create this thing through my faith. How many times have you come down and you thought the person that you're praying for couldn't be healed because you were not creating enough faith to get them healed, maybe they've done something wrong or you've done something wrong and you are walking around looking at the promises of the Lord but not expressing the promises of the Lord, not manifesting the promises of God because we are trying to create what already exists. Is that helpful? Is that, just think about it a moment. I, you need victory? It's already there. <laughs> it's been there from the begin before the beginning of time. And I know I was trying to lead up into this a little bit more excitingly, but but I felt like you needed some of that backdrop there. But to get to the place to find out that wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, my emotions don't create God. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't have to create God through my emotions. All of my emotions do is manifest God. Amen? Or they should. We are good about manifesting the devil, but we're not so good about manifesting God. Amen? I'll just, I won't get off on that tonight. But, you know, it's, it's easy to manifest the things of the flesh. But we're not people of the flesh. Paul said, we are not people of the flesh. We are people of the Spirit. We are not, we are not flesh-driven, nor are we self-driven. We are Spirit-driven people. Amen. But think about it just a moment. What would happen if when you laid hands on the sick, you stopped believing what you have done or didn't do was the thing causing it to happen or not to happen. And you just reached up in faith. You just reached up in faith and took what's already there, what's already been done. Why do we keep trying to work for our salvation? It's already complete. How do we receive it? By faith. By faith. And when we receive it by faith, now all of a sudden, grace is imparted to us. And what we couldn't do before, we can now do. Amen. And want to. That's the beautiful thing. <laughs> Andrea tells our, told our kids growing up, said, you know, when they reach those age where they really know everything, and you know certainly they know nothing. And she would tell them flat out, she said, you're grown up, not when you have to be told to do something, but when you no longer need to be told to do something, amen? And so God is looking for his children no longer to be need to be told to do something. I've already told you, go heal the sick, go raise the dead, go cast out devils. Freely you have received. You don't do it by your works, freely give. How can we do that? we got to work it up. No, we got to reach for it. It's already there. 
I don't know, this really helped me to understand that I don't have to keep trying to manifest something in myself. I just manifest what he has already done. There's areas in my own life, my own body I prayed for. I'm just believing. It's done. It's done. I'm getting beyond the head and my heart. Amen? It's done. It's already been finished. It's already accomplished. My God, that's what we call grace. Amen? That is the grace of God. Make sure I didn't leave any good stuff out here. We can only manifest God's life, God's love, and God's light. We do not create any of it. The only draw, we only draw from what exists. This is called grace. And folks, there will be, in my opinion, my humble opinion, there will be no widespread transformation until there becomes a widespread manifestation of the God himself, the sons of God. The life of God in us. That is an abundant life where we begin to realize, wait a minute. This is not about the things that I've done or didn't do. I'm not meriting my salvation. I'm not trying to reproduce God in my, in my prayers. All I'm doing is welcoming the Lord that wants to be here anyway and welcoming God into the situation. And I'm welcoming and reaching for what already exists. I hope and pray to God that that helps someone. But see, here's, the, here's, a, here's a caveat I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to close up with tonight again Andrew Murray but he said it in such a way I thought it was so profound I want you to listen to this because many times we wonder why do we not see the manifestation why do we not see the manifestation of God's life and his light and his love the way whereby the spirit works any Grace in the believer is by stirring them up to act upon it. The Spirit does not effectually work love or give strength to love until, he, until we act upon it. Because all inward graces are discerned by their acts as seed in the ground, it is by its springing up. Let me say that again. Because all inward graces are discerned by their acts as seed in the ground, it is by its springing up. We cannot see or feel any such thing as love to God or man in our hearts before we act upon it. We do not know our spiritual strength except as we use and exercise it. What is he saying? He's saying there's a reservoir of all the richness of God, not just in heaven, but in your heart. Because it, it comes, the heaven comes through our heart. It is resting there. It is waiting there for the action of the church. We don't love our brothers because we don't act in love. But once we act in love, now the grace of God enables that. Seeds are born, are planted, and now fruit begins to come forth. We don't 
don't see the glory of God when we hold back, but when we step into that place and all of a sudden, wait a minute, we're out of the boat, we're walking on the water, how are we doing this? We're doing this because we keep our eyes on Jesus. Wait a minute, we're feeding the multitude that is hungry because God was compassionate upon them and he's trying to show compassion to them because there may come a day, guys, where I may not be here, I may not be externally with you, but I'm going to be internally with you. And you're going to need to know that my spirit will strive with you, but you've got to act upon the faith that I give you. Do you want more of God? Act on it. Amen. If you want to see the house filled, then act on it. Amen. I don't have any love. I have found this to be true. When people start engaging in ministry and truly start feeling the heart of God, you can, their love will begin to flow through them. It's like a siphon. It just sucks it up and pours it out. Amen. And you, you'll discover when you start working and building relationships with children, with youth, with adults, with senior adults, with people in every demographic of society, when you really begin to pour your heart into them, what happens? Grace now begins to move. You see, we keep waiting on to be. We keep waiting to be filled. We've already been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've already been filled with the love shed abroad in our heart. We've got to release that love. And when we release that love, wait a minute. There's something begins to take place. Grace initiates, and the thing that we step into is the thing that God blesses. Amen. Do you want more of God? Make a draw. Moses is dead. It's time for you to kill the works in your life. It's time for you to stop peering into the promises of God, trying to be good enough to get to the promises of God. But get the one who has already fulfilled the promises of God inside of you. And if he's already inside of you, you've got everything you need. How do I know? Because he said, it is finished. It's finished. And when I boast, Paul said, I'll, I'll boast in the cross. <laughs> I'll boast in what he has done. Now, I'm not going to give you a resume about what I have done. The only thing the world needs to know is what Christ has done for you. Amen. What has Christ done for you? And if all of your prophecies, dreams, inventions, and, and everything you have has centered entirely upon you, your wants, your needs, and your desires, you're still in the kindergarten of your faith. Because you got to get to the place where faith is initiated. And now all of a sudden, it's not about me, my four, and no more. It is about the fact that God is interested in generations and nations. And he's using us to reach them. Amen? If you're tired of the condition of our country, then get up and do something about it. If you're tired of the condition in our schools, then get up and do something about it. If you are tired of the condition of the people on the streets, then get up and start doing something in prayer and calling out to God and say, Lord, we need some manifestation. Let it begin here. I want to manifest that we are sons of God. I want to stand up and say, Lord, I want to transform community. I'm telling you what, folks, I'm targeting those schools in this community. I'm going after those kids that are in there. I'm going to see a revival among the youth because the enemy has sought to destroy them. He's come after them to disrupt an entire generation, and I refuse on our watch to watch 
kids. Why have we inconvenienced ourselves by shifting the, the schedule? It's because we are going after the youth. We're not going to stop until we win the souls of the kids because the generations that are there, they matter. They count. That is the future church that sits up there and they are bound by the enemy, told that they are something that they are not. And I am tired of being the one watching them come in and go out and come in and go out. And if somebody's not going to do something, then we should get up and do something and say no more. Stop condemning this generation that have no idea who they are. And start telling them through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ who you are in him. It's already done, folks. It's already been accomplished. Everything we need is already in existence in God. We just got to pull it in. Amen? I want you to, tonight I want you to stand. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> We've moved to 6 o'clock on Wednesday. I'm sorry. We've been announcing for a few weeks here, Hank. But, hey, stick around. There's going to be some intercessory prayer here in just a minute. I want you right now to just lift your hands to the Lord. And let's just worship him right now. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. God, I just pray tonight that we would come to the discovery, Lord God, that, Lord, you're not looking for self-improvement. You're good enough. You're already perfect. All we need to do is walk in you. Lord, you're not looking, Lord God, for the able because you're able. You're just looking for somebody that will make themselves available so that you can pour through them. Lord, I pray tonight that what we would take away from here is that to run this amazing race, Lord God, it's got to be by grace grace alone. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you would stir the hearts of those that, Lord, that they would not slip into a place of condemnation, but Lord, of conviction. They say, I, I'm going to stand up, Lord. I pray, Father, there's such a divine move of your spirit in this house. Let it begin tonight. Where Isaiah, Lord God, saw your glory. And when you ask, Lord God, someone to go, he said, here I am. Send me. Lord, start sending them out because there's a job to be done. And Lord, we can't do it without you. In Jesus' name. Tonight as we close, do we have that slide? There it is. So, our district, North Texas District Assembly of God, <clears throat> have targeted the Buddhist, Hindu population of people. Makes up two billion people. The largest unreached people group in the world. So many strongholds. But they want to raise up 5,000 prayer partners in North Texas. If you want to join, just hit that QR code right there. They want to raise up uh, missionaries to be church planners, teachers and preachers, and send them in. They want to raise up resources, a million dollars, to go toward this so that they can be reached. So what they're asking for is 
time. They're asking for people to give their talent. They're asking for people to give their treasure. So tonight is our mission's emphasis. Let's just join together. And let's pray for the unreached people groups that are here that make up the two billion people. Could you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord God, and ask, Lord, we ask, Lord God, that tonight, this very night, Lord God, that you would begin to move and begin to stir, Lord God. We believe, Lord, that it's, Lord, there'll be more than 5,000 North Texas District, Lord God. I believe there'll be 15,000, 20,000. Lord, I just pray that you would just put on our heart, God, to begin to reach out, Lord. I ask, Father God, for those that are living in bondage, that have no hope, that have never seen the light, that have never seen the manifestation of your love, that, Lord, that even now, right now, Father God, that you would begin, Lord God, to give hope in this hopeless situation, Lord God, that those that are tormented may be set free. And, Father, we give you praise. And, Lord, we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we just believe that souls are going to come into the kingdom of God, that, Lord, it's going to begin in prayer. But, my God, it's going to go forth in prayer. And, Lord God, you're going to raise up up a powerful church in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. The dusters are at the back. Y'all have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Saturday morning at 8.30 for prayer time. God bless. Oh, hold on. You're not dismissed. <laughs> There's going to be prayer from 7 to 8, so y'all stick around. Amen.